Okay, Otha May Brand. I see you. You're the first one on here, so God bless you. Um, I started to talk a little bit about oil in Israel, and uh, I, I didn't really get have, uh, have time to get really prepared, so I probably won't, and I probably shouldn't. Uh, so anyway, we, we will see. We will see. We will think some big things are right around the corner. But if you have a question, I am now looking at the questions. So if you'll send me a question, then um, I'll try to answer it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Now I see a bunch of folks jumped on here. And Holly, good evening. Blessings from Waco, Texas. Blessings from DFW. Good evening, Stan. Good evening, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Paducah, Kentucky. Corpus Christi. Uh, so I thought as a, oh, wow, it's 628. Well, it's time to go. All right. Well, I'll, I'll show you a couple of things. i show you a couple of things here. Let's see if I can share screen window. Let's see. This one. Share. Okay, what you're looking at, I think what you're looking at, see if that's what you're really looking <laughs> pretty small. Um, okay, how can I do this? Can I get that bigger? Wow. Better. Not great, but better. No, no. Better. Okay, so let me cover a couple of verses, and it'll only be a couple. Of, this is my verse list of all of the verses that have to do with oil in Israel. And I've covered this one, so I'll skip that one. I'll bless them that bless you, curse them that curse you. And the valley, this is what it's saying, the valley of Sadim, which means the valley of salt, was full of slime pits. That's another word of saying uh, places where crude oil is collected. And the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fell there, and they remained. And that, so that, that's saying that near Sodom and Gomorrah, and I've been to Sodom and Gomorrah many times. I've got uh, uh, sulfur balls big as your fist that Leslie and I collected from there. And so that's one of the reasons we feel like there is oil at the southwest end of the Dead Sea. Then you jump to an one, therefore God give thee the dew of heaven and the fatness of the earth, because this is talking about, hang on, here we go. This is talking about the prophecy, I forget, I think this is to, yeah, this is to Jacob. Uh, give you the fatness of, and fatness of the earth, that word fatness is actually talking about crude oil. Jump to the next one real quick, because we've got to get to the Bible study. And this is still talking about Jacob. Let people serve thee and nations bow down to thee. Be Lord of thy brethren. Let the mother's sons bow down to thee. Curse be everyone that curses thee. And bless he that blesses thee. It's another reason why you want to bless Israel. Then to Esau, the prophecy was, Hast thou but one blessing? And he says, you know, surely you have another blessing. So Esau said to his father, Hast thou but one blessing? Then he says, okay, fine. So your dwelling should also be the fatness of the earth and dew of heaven above. And by the sword thou shalt live. And that's true of most of what wound up being the, uh, the Arabs today. 
um, without getting into that long thing there, uh, they, they live by the sword. Okay, so enough of that. Let's get back to the Bible study here. And click the right button here. Okay, we want to go to... this one. I want to close this. <sighs> okay. So it's 631. Welcome to the Spirit of Prophecy Church Bible study, where we do something unusual in our Bible study. We read the Bible. And that's the ultimate goal here is to read the Bible. Sometimes I teach through Bible prophecy, as I would like to do it probably more than you would, but I'll, we will we'll stay on track tonight. We're going to continue with Matthew chapter 10. And as I always recommend, before you go to reading the Bible, you got to ask for God's wisdom, because it's not just ink on paper. You're trying to understand the Spirit of God, because he says heaven and earth will pass away, means this heaven, this earth will pass away because he makes a new heaven and earth, a new earth, and there's no more sea. Okay, so he's saying that his word's really, really important, and so we need to learn that. So let's pray. First of all, Lord, you said that wherever, more, wherever two or more are gathered in your name, there you are in the midst of them. And while we're not all together in the same room, we're all together in the same spirit, and we're all together via internet. And so, Lord, we ask you to be with us. We know that wisdom and might are yours. You change at the times and seasons. You remove the kings and setteth up kings. You giveth wisdom to the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. You revealeth the deep and secret things. You knoweth what is in the darkness and the light dwelleth with you. You kill, you make alive. You wound, you heal, and neither can any deliver out of your hand. You have the keys of hell and death and you decide. You are the righteous judge. When people live, when they die how they die, and where they spend eternity. And Lord, it is our heart tonight to get close to you, to learn what you wrote, what you said then, now, and also how it ties together into the future. And Lord, we raise our hand in the Spirit. We say, here my Lord, send me. Use us to win a lot of souls to you. Show us the deep and secret things. Help us to understand your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. So we're going to start in Matthew chapter 10. When he had called unto him the twelve disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits. Now, understand, this was not just written to the twelve disciples. This is written to all of his disciples, all of those people that call upon his name. John 14, 12 says, If you believe in me and the works that I do, greater works than these shall do, because I go to the Father. So. He's not just talking to 12 disciples here. He's talking to us all, meaning he has given all of us power over unclean spirits, cast them out to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that was true back in the days of the disciples, but not true today. Oh, yes, it is. Yes, it is. I have seen, I mean, just like Leslie, I mean, it was uh, a little over a year ago. I saw her laying in a bed in the emergency room and she could not talk. She could not. That's all she could get out. 
If I start talking about it, I'll start crying. I, 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 I mean, it, it scared both of us like you can't even believe. Um, I can't talk about it or I'll start crying. All I'll say is, I, I mean, I, I fell on my knees and I started, I fell on my knees and started crying out to God. Help her. She had a stroke and she spent five days in intensive care, two weeks in rehabilitation. Uh, her whole right side of her body, I mean her right eye, her right eyelid, her, the right side of her face drooped. She could not move her arm. She could not move her right hand, her right leg. It was all. It was like somebody just went in there and clipped the cord. It was all dead. All The right side of her body was gone. But I saw God heal her. And she has many stories. And uh, we both praise the Lord all the time. Because today you can't tell that she ever had anything wrong with her. Perfectly normal. We have seen the miracles of God. I'll start again. When he called on him the twelve disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Now the names of the twelve apostles are these. The first Simon, who is called Peter, Andrew his brother, James the son of Zebedee, and John his brother. By the way, if you do have a question, uh, then if you'll put that up, then I'll try to see the answer you. Verse 3, Philip, Bartholomew, Tomlet, Thomas, Matthew the publican, James the son of Alphaeus, and Lebeah. Lebeus, whose surname was Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. These twelve, these twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles. Wait a minute. What happened? Well, you remember the parable of the man that, uh, that built a, a vineyard, and he digged a tower, and he planted a vineyard, and he called his servants to come into the marriage. And, but his servants didn't want to come. In other words, he first took the gospel to the Jews, but they didn't want it. Okay, So then he said, okay, go out to the highways and byways. As many as you can find, bring them in so that the marriage may be filled. And that's what happened. Okay, The Jews resisted. The Jews basically said, no. You know, we, we like Moses' law. We like what Moses taught. We believe Moses. We saw the miracle of Moses. We don't know who this guy is. And remember, Jesus said, I came in my father's name, and you received me not. But another will come in his own name, and him you will receive. So as a result, God went to the Gentiles, and frankly, you and I are glad he did, because if he hadn't, we wouldn't have our name in the book of life today. Okay, so let's go on. These twelve she sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not in the way of the Gentiles, into any city of the Samaritans, enter ye not. But go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick. Notice it's a command. Any more than he said, Don't go to the house of the Gentiles. Go to the house of the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And in the same way, he commanded them, heal the sick. That's not a suggestion. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, 
raise the dead, cast out devils, freely receive, freely give. Provide neither gold nor silver nor brass in your purses. Now, people that don't want to give to God point to that verse right there. Verse 9, they want to, that point of that verse, oh yeah, well, you know, if you're serving the Lord, we're not supposed to have to give to you. Uh, that's actually not correct. What he's saying is, don't try to store up for yourself or provide for yourself. And that is one that is called to be an apostle. That is one that is called to go out and start churches on the road, back to back to back to back. Now, let me think. Do I know anybody like that? That's, I don't know anybody that is called to just go out and start church after church after church. I mean, there's been a few. I mean, you're like, I mean, where, where did the Assembly of God churches come from? And many of those other denominations. So there have been some of those. But the people that don't want to give, that's the verse that they point to. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, we you're, you're not supposed to have to. Uh, God's supposed to totally take care of you. Well, yes, God is also supposed to totally take care of you, and he does. As you sow, so also shall you reap. Let's go on. Nor script for your journey, neither two coats, neither shoes, nor yet stays, for the workman is worthy of his meat. And in whatsoever the city or town you shall enter, inquire who it is worthy. I mean, before I go any further, let me, get, let me tell you a story. So we were just down in Honduras ministering. We went to an outdoor basketball court. It was a cement slab. It had a basketball uh, board, I guess you'd call it, basketball board with a net, uh, goal in a net on each end down into the concrete. Overhead was a metal roof, but it had no walls to it. I mean, just a roof over a basketball court. And that's where we were going to hold what we called our mini crusade. So we were going there to stake it. And this is where we literally take a stake about a foot long. It's about the size of two fingers, maybe a little thicker. And on that is written all kinds of verses that give us power and authority. And we went there and we did. Uh, we were, we, well, let me back up. We went there to drive this stake into all four corners of the land to reclaim that land for God because we're asking for the people to come in. We didn't want any evil or witchcraft to hold them out. Well, sure enough, as, as we are ready to start pounding that stake in, all of a sudden we look around and we thought, well, we have the stakes. Did anybody bring a hammer? No. Well, there was a guy that was broke down on the road right next to us. And about that time, he walks around the corner with this big hammer. How can I show you? It's a big hammer like this. It, it's, it was probably probably a, a, at least a five-pound hammer, maybe a 10-pound hammer. I mean, it was, it was uh, as big as two of my fists, okay? Walked around the corner. I said, of course, he doesn't speak English and I don't speak Spanish. But we had an interpreter there, and I said, excuse me, excuse me. And I said, can we borrow your hammer? He went, hammer? We borrow? Yeah. Well, he let us borrow the hammer. In other words, we all took that as a sign from God, as a confirmation that we're supposed to be there. We forgot the hammer. We had the stakes, but we forgot the hammer. All of a sudden, the guy walks around a corner with a hammer. So we hammered in all four stakes. Now, that's not the end of the story. So now we're ready to leave. And one of the people there looked up and noticed 
two Coke bottles with a rope about four foot between them tied around the drinking part of, of the, if you can see what I'm talking about here, the, the drinking part of the bottle. And they were thrown up over the supports in the rafter and they were hanging down. And I think it was Lou looked up and said, that is a talisman. He said, witches have put that up there to claim this land, this land is ours. Now, we just put down the four stakes. We couldn't reach up there. We tried throwing things and all sorts of weird. So, But the next day, they brought a, uh, I guess you call it a backhoe or a backload or front loader. I don't know, one of those big. Anyway, and they got those down. So by the time a couple of days later we had our meeting there, those were gone, but our four stakes were still there. Now, let me read this again. Verse 11, and whatsoever city or town you shall enter, inquire who is worthy, and there to abide. Now, let me back up. Nor script for your journey, neither two coats, neither shoes, nor staves, for the workman is worthy of his meat or his hire. And into whatsoever city or town you shall enter, inquire who is worthy, and there abide uh, till you go thence. When you come into house, salute it. And if the house be worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it be not worthy, let your peace return to you. Now, let me say something about that. So, anyway, God provided. Just like we needed a hammer, he provided a hammer. We were a few hours from leaving to come back to America. And one of the, the key people there said, will you come and pray for my grandma? Because she's really, really sick and they don't think she's going to live. And so we drove, I don't know, three hours over to get to this woman to pray for her. And we were all laying hands on her and uh, we prayed. And then all of a sudden, Leslie stopped, said, well, God bless you. And that was a signal to us that the prayer was over. So we all got in the car and we drove off. And then she turned back to us and she said, I felt the healing go into the lady's body, but then I felt it return into me. In other words, for whatever reason, she did not receive her healing. Same thing here. When you come into a house, salute it. If the house be worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it be not worthy, let your peace return to you. In her case, she felt the healing return to her. And she said the lady doesn't have long to live. And for whatever reason, whether she didn't want to or lack of, I don't know. I don't know. We, didn't, you know, we aren't told. She just said she didn't get her healing. Verily I say unto you, it should be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. Let me back up. 14. And whosoever shall not receive you, nor hear your words, when you depart out of the house of the city, shake off the dust of your feet. Verily I say unto you, shall be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But beware of men, for they will deliver you unto the councils, and they will scourge you in the synagogues. And you should be brought before governors and kings for my sake, for the testimony against them and the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, take no thought of how you shall speak, for it shall be given you in that same hour what you shall speak. Uh, by the way, it looks to me like, I mean, that text is, is fine for me, but my guess is probably most of you can't read that. You need me to give a bigger font. So if you need a bigger font, let me know. I'll tell you what, I'll just make it larger because I'm pretty sure that's too small for most of you out there. 
Let's try this. That's probably better for you. Anyway, uh, let's see. I, I, something, something I want to say. When I was taking the post-trib position in a three-hour heart attack <laughs> called a pre-trib versus post-trib debate, before I got into that debate, I remembered this verse about you, you don't have to open your mouth. He's going to fill it and all this sort of stuff. So I got in on my knees and I said, Lord, you know, it says that when you bring us before magistrates, that you're going to give us the words. And I said, the truth is, I don't really know exactly what to say. Thou knowest. So I ask you to give me the words to say. And sure enough, several times in the debate, he gave me the words to say. Exactly the words to say. And there was one that the word was in my heart to say, but it didn't come until about the last part. One of the people said, well, what about John 14, 6? No, no, excuse me. What about Luke 21, 46, 21, 36, where it says, watch ye therefore and pray always that you might be accounted worthy to escape these things and to stand before the Son of Man. And I said, well, for you to understand that verse, you have to understand the word stand. And let me write down where we are here. <clears throat> My voice is already starting to get raspy here. Matthew... 10, 11. Let me show you this. All right, let's see. Um, well, I'll go to Luke 21. Luke says, all right, 21, 36. Yeah. Watch you therefore and pray always that you might be counted where to escape these things and to stand. The key word is stand before the Son of Man. For you to understand this, I said, you go to go to Revelation. Let's see, that would be seven and back up a little bit because it's like the last few verses. And I quoted this, this here where it says, and they ran into the, the holes of the mountains and fallen. Here, here we go, right here. Say to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sat upon the throne from the wrath of the Lamb, for the great devil's wrath has come, and who shall be able to stand? So this stand is saying that if you can survive the burning, the burning of Armageddon, the burning when he burns the tares, when out of our belly flows rivers of living water. If you can survive that day, if you have made it, then you have, you get to live. You get your, if not, then you're all burned up. Let me go back to now Matthew 10, 11. Okay. So my point is, God gave me the words to say. And God is faithful, and he'll give you the words to say at the right time, too. And into whatsoever city you shall enter, inquire who is worthy. And there abide... Wait, wait, we read that. Hang on. Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up unto the councils, and they will scourge you in the synagogues. And you shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, take no thought of how or what you shall speak, for it shall be given you in that same hour what you shall speak. For it is not ye that speak, but the Spirit of your Father which speaketh in you. And the brother shall deliver the brother to death, and the father the child, and the children shall raise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death. Pretty scary, isn't it? 
Problem is it didn't go away. Problem is we're going to see that probably harder than any other generation since those days. And you should be hated of all men. This is specifically talking about the Jews first and Christians second. You should be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he, he that endureth to the end shall be saved. Now, there's a big difference between being saved. Didn't I cover this? Seemed like I covered this. I hope I'm not rereading the same thing here. I don't think I did, though. Anyway, he that endureth to the end shall be saved. It's not saying if you survive the tribulation and you can live all the way to the return of Jesus at the very, very end, you get your name in the book of life even if you didn't receive him. That's not true. What he's saying is you'll be saved from the wrath. Of course, a lot of people that don't understand that would say, well, that's what it says, save from the wrath. That's right. But you have to understand what the wrath is. The wrath is not seven years. The wrath is not three and a half years. Wrath is not the last 100 days. This is the wrath. When he blows his glory down on the earth, that's the morning star. Remember the two witnesses, and I'll give power to my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and three score days, clothed in sackcloth. If any man hurt them, fire proceedeth out of their mouth and devoureth their enemies. If any man hurt them, he must in this matter be killed. That's the morning star. Jesus returns with that morning star, which he gets at the marriage supper of the Lamb when he's crowned King of kings and Lord of lords. He does not have all power and glory right now. He gets that at the marriage supper. And so when it says, he that endureth to the end shall be saved, yeah, they're saved from the burning but they don't get their name in the book of life if they didn't receive Jesus. So if they endure to the end, then they're allowed to live up to a thousand years or until they sin the first time. And then a morning star judge shows up at the speed of thought, hits them in the morning star, they fall to the ground, a pile of ashes and bones. That's the reason it says Jesus will rule them with a rod of iron, meaning a rod of iron doesn't bend, meaning he doesn't allow anybody breaking his rules during that 1,000-year reign, and there are some people that can. Now, it's not you and I. We are in our glorified body. We're eternal, and we never sin again. We never hunger or thirst again. Never the light doesn't shine on us or any heat for the land, which is in the midst of the throne, shall feed them and lead them and live the fountains of water, all that sort of stuff. Let's go on. But when they persecute you in the city, flee into another. For verily I say unto you, you shall not have gone over the cities of Israel until the Son of Man be come. The disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above his Lord. It is enough for the disciple that he be as his master and the servant as his Lord. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more shall they call them of his household? Fear them not, therefore, for there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed and hid that shall not be known. That's a big and important verse. Now, when does that verse get fulfilled? I believe that when Jesus returns, he blows the morning star down. He removes all the sin from the earth. The sun, the moon, and the stars are all dissolved. They're gone. They're not out there anymore because no light is going to compete with Jesus. He is the light of the world, the Bible says. He's the only light, okay? But when that morning star blows down and hits us, out of our belly flows rivers of living water, and just like 
sat in the blink of an eye at the last trump, we are in eternity. When we are in eternity and we come out of time, I believe that we'll be able to look back on it kind of like you look back on a fishing pole, okay? And you can look back at any point. You want to see, like, here's, say, Adam and Eve. Here's uh, Moses. You'll be able to see any point in that fishing pole. You'll be able to see anything except those things that are covered with the garment, those things that are washed in the blood. Fear them not, for there's nothing covered that shall not be revealed and hid that shall not be known. That means we're going to finally find out where those 33,000 emails went, if you know what I'm talking about. Hillary Clinton. When I tell you in the darkness, you shall speak in the light. What you hear in the ear, that preach you upon the housetops. And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. I better read that again. Fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. Hang on. Okay, so I just got uh, informed that we actually should start with chapter 11 tonight. All right, fine, we'll jump to 11. Bingo, just like that. And it came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commanding his 12 disciples, he departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. Now when John had heard of the prison of the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said to them, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said to them, Go and show John again those things which you do not, which you do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear and the dead are raised, and the poor have gospel preached to them. And he blessed, and blessed he, and blessed is he whomsoever is not shall try it again. And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. And as they departed, Jesus began to say unto the multitudes, Concerning John, what went ye out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken with the wind? But what went ye out for to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they that wear soft clothing are in kings' houses. But what went ye out to see? A prophet? Yea, I say unto you, and more than a prophet. For this is he, of whom it is written, Behold, I will send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. So this is talking about now John was sent before Jesus to announce him. Verily I say unto you, amongst them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist, notwithstanding he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And from the days of John the Baptist till, the king, till now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. Hang on. Do I have another note? No. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets in the law prophesied until John. And if you will receive it, this is Elias, which was for to come. I've had a lot of people say, yeah, well, the two witnesses are Moses and Elijah. Now, this is right here is saying if you receive it, <coughs> me, this was. Elias or Elijah that was to come, meaning that prophecy is already fulfilled. So it's not saying Elijah is one of the two prophets. Matter of fact, I think the two end time witnesses are uh, Moses the Revelator, and excuse me, <laughs> Moses and John the Revelator. Those are the two witnesses. 
and get my book, Secret Door to Understand Bible Prophecy, and it'll tell you all about it. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. But whereunto shall I liken this generation? It is like unto children sitting in the markets and calling unto their fellows, and saying, We have piped unto you, and you have not danced. We have mourned unto you, and you have not lamented. For John came neither eating or drinking, and they say he hath a devil. But the son of man come eating and drinking, and they say, Behold, a man gluttonous, and a wine-bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners. But wisdom is justified of her children. Then began he to upbraid the cities, wherein most of his mighty works were done, because they repented not. Woe to thee, Chorazin! Woe to thee, Bethsaida! For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the day of judgment than for you. See, I think that in the day of judgment, it's going to be pretty harsh on a lot of Christians in America because they were supposed to be the one that sent the gospel to the world and the last generation or so hasn't. They were the ones that were supposed to be holding up the standard. They were supposed to be the ones that were holding up the wall of the devil from coming, and they failed. So a lot of them are going to have a lot of answers to, to explain to Jesus. And thou Capernaum, which art exalted into heaven, shall be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which have been done and they had been in Sodom, it would have remained unto this day. But I say unto you, that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for thee. And at that time Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent, and hast revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. All things are delivered unto me of the Father, and no man knoweth the Son but the Father. Neither knoweth any Father save the Son, and he to whom whomsoever the Son shall reveal him. Come unto me, all the, ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Okay. Okay, yes, they're saying I was repeating chapter 11, so now we jump to 11. Okay, so their question is, what is the meaning of Matthew eleven twelve? All right, let's jump back. You know, I think I'm going to skip that one. I think I'm going to just skip that. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am weak and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. How many times have I thought that? Boy, the, when we're in a, a time of difficulty, my yoke is easy, my burden is light has been very encouraging because while being a Christian isn't always easy, it's a whole lot better than being a sinner. A whole lot better than being kicked around and ordered around by the devil. At that time, Jesus went on the Sabbath day through the corn. His disciples were hungered, began to pluck the ears of corn and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto him, Behold, the disciples do that which is not lawful to do upon the Sabbath day. But he said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungered, and they that were with him? How he entered into the house of God and did eat the showbread, which was not lawful for him to eat, neither for them which were with him, but only for the priests? Or have you not read in the law how that on the Sabbath days the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless? 
I said unto him, that in this place is one that in this place is one greater than the temple. Meaning, Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath too. Meaning, Jesus can do all of these things because he is God. But if I'd known, but if ye had known what this meaneth, I will have mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath day also. And when he was departed thence, he went into the synagogue, and behold, there was a man which had his hand withered. They asked him, say, Is it lawful to heal a man on the Sabbath days, that they might accuse him? And he said to them, What man shall there be among you that shall have one sheep, and if it fall into a pit on the Sabbath day, will he not lay hold on it and lift it out? How much then is a man better than a sheep? Wherefore, it is lawful to do well on the Sabbath days. Then saith he to man, Stretch forth thine hand. And he stretched it forth, and it was restored whole like the other. And the Pharisees went out and held a council against him, how they might destroy him. Why? Why did they do that? Because they wanted to control. And I might add, the devil still wants control today. That's why he is buying up businesses all across America and really around the world, so he can have control. That's why we have mail-in ballots, so that they can have control. The devil just won a whole slew of Democratic races in this last round of votes. And while I can't prove it, my guess is that most of it was cheating, if not all of it was cheating. So that's what they do. They want to control. That's the reason they have dentists join an association so they control them. Physicians join an association so they can control them. They want to control everything, how they might destroy him. But when Jesus knew it, he withdrew himself from thence, and great multitude followed him, and he healed them all, and charged them that they should not make him known, that it might be fulfilled, which is spoken by Esaias the prophet, saying, Behold, my servant, whom I have chosen, my beloved, in whom my soul is well pleased, I will put my spirit upon him, and he shall show judgment to the Gentiles. He shall not strive nor cry, neither shall any man hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed shall he not break, and a smoking flax shall he not quench, till he send forth judgment unto victory. In other words, Jesus didn't come to judge, he came to save. But the next time he comes, he doesn't come to save, he comes to judge. And in his name shall all the Gentiles trust. Then was brought unto him one possessed of a devil, blind and dumb. And he healed him, insomuch that the blind and the dumb both spake and saw. And all the people were amazed and said, Is this not the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, "Uh, This fellow does not cast out devils, but by Beelzebub, the prince of the devils. And Jesus knew their thoughts and said unto them, Every king divided against itself is brought to desolation. And every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. That brings to mind one of Dana Coverstone's dreams. He said he saw the man, which I believe is an angel, come to him and shut. He turned off the lights, shut the doors, and he said a kingdom divided against itself shall not stand. Right now, America is a nation divided. We're divided on Democrats and Republicans. We're divided on which is right, black or white. We're divided which is right, Hamas 
or Israel. We're a nation divided. Why? Because we opened the borders. And I'm not talking about just the last two years. But we've allowed people to come in and go after other gods. On top of that, according to what Dimitri Dudem was told, that people that were raised in the Christian faith have went after other gods. And in the church, he said, there's a abortion, all kinds of sin, abortion, adultery, fornication, sodomy, divorces, and all kinds of sin. Jesus doesn't live in sin. He lives in holiness. So every kingdom divided against itself, and right now America is, shall be brought to desolation. Or house divided against itself shall not stand. Our nation is on its last leg. We're in the last few, well, hopefully years. And if Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How shall then his kingdom stand? And if I by Beelzebub cast out devils, by whom do your children cast them out? Therefore, they shall be your judges. But if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is come among you. Or else, how can one enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he first bind the strong man, and then he will spoil his house? Now, question, who's the strong man? Leslie wrote a whole book on this. I think God gave her a revelation on it. I think she's right. Let me read that again. The question is, who's the strong man? But if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is among you. Or else, how can one enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he first bind the strong man, then he will spoil his house? Who's the strong man? The answer is, you and I are. See, the devil has to bind us first, and he binds us up with sin. That's the reason they get people in high places within government, within banking and education, within religion, but especially governmental powers and military, they get these people to do bad things. They'll get them to go to a party, and they find themselves in the bedroom with a little sex pot. They don't know they're being recorded, but they're being recorded, and then from there on, they have control over that person because they say, we'll release the pictures. We'll show the video. So that's what they do. They enter into a strong man's house, spoil his goods, because they bind the strong man, and they one of the ways they bind them is by blackmail or by bribery, catching them doing something. So there's, yeah, they can bind them. And he that is not with me is against me, and he that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. In other words, either you're with Jesus or you're against Jesus, there's none of this. Well, can't we just be in the middle? There's no fence riding. Wherefore, wherefore I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men, but the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. And whosoever speaketh the word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaketh, that is if he asks, but whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him neither in this world, neither in the world to come. Don't blaspheme. Don't talk about the, don't talk against the Holy Ghost or Jesus or anything else. Have to do with God, by the way. Either make the tree good and his fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt. For the tree is known by his fruit. O generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. Oh man, how many times have I quoted that one? 
Have you ever seen someone that's in the world and about every third word is a curse word? That's what's in their heart. And that's the reason we Christians, we don't let cuss words come out of our mouth. Ever. Even if we're having a private conversation with our mate in the bedroom and we're hot and things have not gone the way we expected, we still don't let those words come out. Why? Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. We start putting those words out, they start sticking in our heart. A good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. Right? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So whatever's in the heart is what comes out. I remember through my life, people have said, you know, Stan, your face is a newspaper. Whatever's on your heart is written on your face. And that's the reason, you know, I have to be honest. I know some people are good at playing poker and you can't tell what their hand is. It's written on my face. And that's good. That is as long as I'm serving the Lord and I'm doing it right. But if I'm doing something wrong, I can't get away with it. Matter of fact, if I do something wrong, I just say, okay, look, it was me. I can't stand the guilt. It was me. Get the guilt off of me. But I say to you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. Read that one again. That's really important. Every idle word that man speaks, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. I remember I was praying and I thought, well, you know, do I have, can, can I just pray like in a whisper and is God still going to hear me? So I thought, okay, let me try and experiment. So in my prayer closet one night, I prayed in a real low voice asking a question and the next day he answered it. So that told me he heard what I say in a very small voice. And I thought, okay, let me try another thing. I wonder if he can hear our thoughts. I mean, I, I, I know it. I've heard people say that he knows our thoughts, but I want to test it. So I said, okay, Lord, you know, in my, in my heart, not out my lips. I said, Lord, so if you can hear me now, and I don't remember what I asked, but I asked something. Sure enough, the next day, he hears every thought. I, I'll give you an example today. <clears throat> Sometimes I know what the program is supposed to be on Prophecy Club. And I know it's supposed to be on really quickly, early in the morning. Sometimes I'm done as early as 10 or 11 o'clock in the morning. Sometimes, typically, it's more like 2 or 3 in the afternoon. I'll spend 2 or 3 hours researching, going through emails, checking the Internet sites, until finally something comes on my heart that that's what I should put on the program. Okay, so today I haven't even made the program for today yet uh, because I spent all day long searching and searching. Lord, what do I, what do I, you know, what do I, I ran across several of them. People send me an email. And I thought, yeah, 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 this is it. I go to it. I get a big yawn. That's God telling me, no, that's not it. And then the one for, yesterday's program was kind of the same way and I was just going to click on past it but as soon as I clicked on it the anointing touched me and I thought okay he's saying pay attention to this one so that's what I made the program out of and the program that I made today which I'll 
probably record tomorrow and Saturday, uh, probably Saturday afternoon, because I knew if I recorded before I did the Bible study, my voice wouldn't, it can barely make 90 minutes now, much less an extra 30 minutes tapped on before it. <clears throat> anyway. He he speaks and guides me. And you know, there's 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 times where he tells me this is what to put on the program. Don't put that on the program. Every idle word we speak, he hears it. Not just what we speak. You try it, but what we don't speak. There's been times where I was thinking, you know, like I wonder if we should do another crusade instantly. I mean, I I I didn't even verbalize it. And the anointing touched me. So I will assure you, every idle word he hears, every idle thought he hears, I'll be thinking something bad, and I'll get a big yawn. He's saying, don't think that. Cast that imagination out. All right, let's go on. But I'm saying to you that, uh, wait, I think there's, okay, here's a question. Is there a possibility that we in the USA can reverse coming judgment if we repent, or is it too late? It's too late. First of all, it's written in six chapters in the Bible. You'd have to tear, tear six chapters of the Bible out for America not to fall. Not only that, but he's sent it through not just Demetri Dudeman, but six others, a total of seven people that I know of have been told that this is going to happen to America. Um, the judgment has been set. And he also said that to Vicky Parnell, too. The same words, the judgment has been set. This is coming. I think he spoke that also to Dan Coverstone, too. So, nope, it's coming. It's coming. Every idle word that men speak, thou shalt give an account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Not just actions, but words. Then certain of the scribes and the Pharisees answered, saying, Master, we would see a sign from thee. But he answered and said to them, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. But there shall no sign be given it but the sign of the prophet Jonas. For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And he was. Remember, he was laid in the tomb for three days and three nights. The men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonas. And behold, a greater than Jonas is here speaking of himself. The queen of the south shall rise up in the judgment with this generation and shall condemn it. For she came from the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, a greater than Solomon is here. And when the unclean spirit has gone out of a man, he walketh through the dry places seeking rest and finding none. Then he saith, Ah, I'll return to my house from whence it came, whence I came out, whence he has come. He findeth it empty, swept, and garnished. So he goeth, and he taketh himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be also under this wicked generation. What's he saying? He's saying, when you accept Jesus and you say, give me another chance, don't fall away. Don't fall away. It can be much worse. Don't take a chance. 
don't fall, don't slip. While he yet talked to the people, behold, his mother and his brethren stood without desiring to speak to him. Then one said to him, Behold, thy mother and thy brethren stand without desiring to speak with thee. And he answered and said to them that told him, Who is my mother and who are my brethren? He stretched forth his hand toward his disciples and said, Behold, my mother and my brethren. And whosoever, okay, there's a scripture that says, There is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. What's he saying? He's saying that sometimes we don't get along with our other siblings. Maybe when we have differences between our mother or our father, or maybe differences between our children. But there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. So what he's really saying is our family is our Christian family, perhaps in some cases, even closer than our blood family. Think about it. I'm guessing that some of the people watching right now are, how should we say, estranged from some of your family members. Maybe you're not too close. Maybe you're not mad at each other, but you just don't talk very often. I mean, my family is not a close family. Now, Leslie's family, they talk all the time. As a matter of fact, taking Leslie to the airport this morning, her sister called. I'm thinking she's calling at 7 o'clock in the morning. They do that. They talk all the time. They talk constantly. Um, I wish my sister a birthday, September 23rd. I talked to my older brother six months ago. Talked to my younger brother about a year ago. Um, I've got a son that's not walking with the Lord, and it's been probably three years since we talked. So our family is not real close. But our Christian family gets sick. We're heading to the hospital tomorrow to go and pray with one of our Christian brothers. Wife is in the hospital. So there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. He's saying sometimes our spiritual family is closer than our blood family. For whosoever shall do the will of my Father, which is in heaven, the same is my brother and sister and mother. Our spiritual family, that's the reason. Hebrews 10.25 says, Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So I guess this would be a good time for me to throw in a plug for a church. Okay. I know. People email me. Do you know of a good church I can go to? No, I don't. <laughs> Spirit of Prophecy Church in Plano is the only one I know of. Because there's, in my opinion, a lot of the churches are not not doing it right. And if you want to know what I believe, I believe in the King James Bible. Open it and read it. I believe that what we're supposed to do as pastors is do our best to learn it and read it ourselves and then get our congregation members to learn it and read it themselves. And we do that a lot of different ways. But at the end of the day, that is a church. It's a church of brothers and sisters that come together and the center of that church is Jesus. And the thing that defines that is the King James Bible. Now, there's slight differences here and there, and that's the reason we have our denominations out there, but that's the way it really should be. Whosoever shall do the will of the Father which is in heaven, the same as my brother and sister and mother. 
That's the reason I encourage you to be going to church. We need fellowship. There's a time, like when Leslie went in the hospital. You know, I got all of our fast track team. I got all of our fast gap team, all of our church, all of our friends, neighbors, relatives, everybody praying for her. She probably had no oh, close to 2,000 people praying for her. If you aren't going to a church, you lack that help. And, and also say this, there's a time where you go to a church to be helped. Maybe there's someone in the church that needs ministry. Maybe they need food. Maybe they need counseling. I mean, sometimes the toe needs a foot to help it. Sometimes the right hand needs the left hand to help it, okay? And some are, I mean, can we say we don't need the foot? Remember Paul talking about that? Can we say that he doesn't need the head or Ken doesn't need the foot? No, it's all parts of the body of Christ. Going to church gives us an opportunity to grow in the Lord, have friends, spiritual family. If you're not in a church, you don't have a spiritual family. So, I mean, right there. You don't have a spiritual family. Yeah, yes, Dan. But, but I mean, you know, I follow Prophecy Club and, and, and I do your Friday night Bible studies. Not enough. You can't call me in Dallas, Texas and say, hey, my wife is in surgery tomorrow. Can you come and lay hands on her and know the world? Okay, so you, you need a spiritual family. That's the reason you want to go to a church. Yeah, well, I don't like some of the things down in it. Well, there's not a perfect church. Our church is not perfect either. As a matter of fact, some things I'd like to change. I wish Jesus would tell me some things to change, you know. So ours is not a perfect church either. There's not one perfect. They all are wrong someplace. They all have an error. That's the reason blood of Jesus is out there. But I encourage you to get you and your family into a church. Chapter 13. The same day went Jesus out of the house and sat by the seaside. The great multitudes were gathered together unto him. So they went into a ship. Why did he go into a ship? So that when he talked, his voice would carry it more over the water and people could stand on the shore and they could hear. So more people can hear him talk when he's talking from a ship. So he needed a microphone. There weren't any microphones today. So he went into the ship and sat and the whole multitude stood on the shore. And he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow some seeds. When he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside. Now, obviously, what he's talking about is the word of God. Some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell on stony places where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up. But because they had no deep net, de deepness of earth, when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell onto good ground and brought forth fruit, some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. He who has ears, let him hear. Now, what's he talking about? This is a really important parable. So the disciples came and said to them, You want to tell me what you're talking about there, Bub? <laughs> we didn't understand. Why speakest thou to them of parables? He said, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. For whosoever hath 
to him shall it be given, and he shall be have more abundance. What's he saying? In other words, whosoever has Jesus, the truth, it's been given, and to him it's going to be given even more abundance. But whosoever hath not, hath not Jesus, from him should be taken away even that he has. Therefore I speak unto them in parables, because they, seeing, see not, and hearing, they hear not, neither do they understand. And to them is fulfilled the prophecy of Esaias, which saith, By hearing you shall hear, and shall not understand, and seeing you shall see, and not perceive. For this people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, sounds like Americans done it, and their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and should understand with their heart, and should be converted, I should heal them. In other words, he wasn't going to lay it all out for them. He wanted them to do a little study, which my congratulations for you being in a Bible study. Being, uh, l- let me just tell you, as I w- went around ministering in Honduras, the thing that I could see the difference in the churches, went to I think six different churches, all in about six different days. The ones where the anointing was the strongest were the churches where they knew the Bible the best. No question. How do you know when they know the Bible? Well, first of all, I can tell it. I mean, in here, I can I can feel it. They know the Lord. They know the word. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of, God, of the Lord. So if you want to know Jesus, yeah, the Bible, it starts there. Not all of it, but it starts there. Also, I could see that the churches that really had the anointing, I mean, if you, I walk in, I feel the anointing. I uh, the, the ones that were kind of skeptical and kind of cold, not many of them had their Bibles. Um, it was obvious, obvious in the spirit and obvious in how many people, the churches where, I mean, they had their Bibles and their Bibles were worn out and they brought notepads and they had pens and highlighters. I mean, they, they came to go to school. And Bob, I mean, God showed up powerful there. Let me tell you another story. <clears throat> this lady was in our Bible study for, I don't know, probably four or five years. She would read when it came around to her turn. She never brought a message in the church. You know, she just just attended the church. Um, I don't know what they give in the plate, so but I assume she gave, you know, she stayed four or five years. And then one day she had to leave. But she, let me back up. She, she went, then one day she went to, I believe it was Germany, to visit a family member there. And she says, while she was there, the family member asked her to go to church with her. So she said, yes. She went there and she said it was a female pastor and nothing wrong with the females. Okay. That had nothing to do with it. So they went to lunch afterwards. And the pastor was very interested to hear from someone that had been in America and American churches and had lots of questions. And this lady was able to answer all of her questions about the Bible. And she says, then I could answer her questions because I'd been in that Bible study. There was a few things that she had all tangled up and I had to explain and straighten her out. And I, I, 
wasn't just explaining it. I could show her in the Bible. I mean, just look it up. Here it is. This, this is the way it is. So, like Dimitri said, if you know the Bible, the Bible is all truth, and the devil can't deceive you. He said, in the churches uh, in, in America, I go into the homes, and I, they have Bibles. He said, but in Romania, he said, for a long time, there were no Bibles. The communists wouldn't let any of the Bibles into the country. But in America, I see you have Bibles every place. But I touch them, and there's all kinds of dust on the Bibles. You know, we should always have a Bible handy. This is my, <laughs> my paper version. But most of the time, because I have to do so much research and cut paste and everything, I use the electronic version anymore. But now I've got some, uh, I've got probably 20 Bibles back behind me there. Uh, well, here, I'll show you. I think you guys can see it. Maybe this. Ah, let me show you. Bible, 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 Stay with the Bible study. It doesn't seem like, here's the way it works. It doesn't seem like it's sinking in for a long time. And then all of a sudden, something will come up and you realize, oh, I got that from the Bible study. Okay, let's go back to the Bible now. <clears throat> for this people's heart is wax and gross. Their ears are dull of hearing and their eyes. They were closed. Lest any time they should not have read that. Okay, let's, okay. Hear you for the parable of the sower. Verse 18 at the bottom. Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. When anyone heareth the word of kingdom, of the kingdom, and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth them away, that which was sown in his heart. This is he which received the seed by the wayside. Have you seen people like that? Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, I got saved. Boy, I got Jesus. I went to church. And then two weeks later, they're back smoking and drinking and running with the wrong crowd again. In other words, the wicked that the seed didn't fall on fertile ground. But he that received the seed into stony places, the same as he that heareth the word, and with joy received it, yet he hath not root in himself, but dureth for a while, for when tribulation or persecution arises, because of the word, by and by he is offended. These are the people that are going to church. They're not reading their Bibles. They give in the offering. The... They get up and raise their hands and they sing, but they don't have any depth. They don't have the word of God in them. They don't know it. They don't study it. So again, my congratulations to you for what, being part of this Bible study. Let me, let me think before I say this. Being a part of a Bible study on a regular, ongoing basis is one of the most important things you can do. It's been said that if you're coasting, you're going downhill. Because in life, there's no staying level. Same thing with the Bible. Either we're putting more of it into us all the time, or it's leaking out. I have to constantly go back and refresh my memory 
of where I memorize the book of Revelation constantly. Because if I don't, this 70-year-old brain <laughs> starts automatically deleting it. Same thing. If we don't constantly strive to get closer to Jesus, strive to learn the word more, strive to get more of the word in us, then we start falling away. This, we start growing cold. So this Bible study, in my opinion, the Bible study in the long term is probably more important than the other five programs Prophecy Club does during the week. Now, you look at the number of views, and the Bible study gets practically nothing compared to Prophecy Club. But the Bible study, I mean, the Bible is more important. It's more important than anything I can say in the, in the Prophecy Club in the long run. But you got to stay with it. You can't just come in. Yeah, I went to Bible study a couple of times. What's that? You got to stick with it. Now, let's go on. I'll back up. But he that received the seed into stony places, the same as he that heareth the word and with joy received, with joy received it. He hath not root in himself, but dureth for a while. But when tribulation and persecution arises because of the word, by and by he is offended. In other words, if they say, well, you know, you got to close the church because of the pandemic, they close the church. Well, you got to take this shot. You got to get this mark. You got to do this. That comes against, and they do it. No. When someone is steeped in the word, when they put down roots in the word, then the rain can come, the wind blows, but their house doesn't fall. What we're doing is putting down deep roots in the word tonight. Now let's go to, uh, and he has also received seed among the thorns, is he that heareth the word, and the care of his world, and the deceitfulness of re deceitfulness. In other words, riches appear to be something that we want, but they're not really good. Okay, I'll come back to comment on And the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becometh unfruitful. In other words, he doesn't do anything with it. But he that receiveth seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word, and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth some hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. We'll give you a story. Uh, so, Leslie, my wife, was raised in a doctor's home. No, not just any doctor. This guy was a world-famous eye surgeon. He invented the Style 30 eye implant lens, and he made oodles and oodles and oodles of money. She was raised in a very wealthy house, and you'd never know it because she loves everybody. You, you would never dream her. she was raised in a house with a lot of money. But one time I got to, to sit down and talk with her dad, and I said, so what's it like to have a lot of money? <laughs> he kind of laughed. He said, well... It's not all it's cracked up to be. He said, when you don't have money, you think if you have money, it's going to solve all your problems. He said, that's not true. He said, your problems just get bigger. Same number of problems. He said, you wake up with a whole bunch of money, you just got bigger problems. And I always remembered that. See, because that's one thing people that don't have money want. When we were down in Honduras, they didn't have any money. They didn't have any money. But I saw a lot of people that were happy. It was miserably hot, but they learned to live with that. A lot of people happy. 
But he received the seed into good ground as he that heareth the word and understandeth it, and when, which also beareth fruit, beareth fruit, beareth fruit. In other words, if you're really with Jesus, you're talking about him all the time, you're winning people to him, and you know maybe some of you will be starting a Bible study, hopefully very soon. Some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. And another parable he put forth in it was saying, the kingdom of heaven is likened unto man which sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, as any came and sowed terrors among the wheat. What's a tear? This is one of my favorite, maybe even my favorite of all of the, the parables. So tears among the wheat and went his way. And when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder came and said to them, Sir, did thou not sow good seed in the field? From whence then hath it tares? And he said unto them, Ha, ah, the enemy hath done this. The servant said unto them, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? He said, Nay, lest while you gather up the tares, you root up also the wheat with them. Let both grow together into the harvest, and at the time of the harvest, I will say unto the reapers, Gather ye first the tares, bind them into bundles to burn them, and gather the wheat into my barn. Now I'm going to come back and explain this in just a second. Let me go on to the explanation here. Oh, here, that is, okay, let me back up. So, the funny thing is, if you talk to a wheat farmer, and I just talked to a wheat farmer about a week ago, has a, a wheat farm up in Kansas. He said, funny thing about tares is this. He said, when the tear is growing up, it looks exactly like wheat. As it starts putting forth the leaves, exactly as wheat. And he said, you can't tell, you, you know, you, you, you can't tell the difference between a wheat and a tear a useless tear, until the harvest time. During the harvest time, the wheat has weight. How can I show you here? It has fruit, so that wheat bends over and has a heavy head. But during that time, you can also spot the tares because they stand up straight. He said, so in the time of harvest, it's easy to see who the tares are. He said, and the farmer just walks through the field, pulling up all of the tares, Binds them in the bundles very carefully and burns them. Why? Because the little bitty seed, a seed, a, 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 the, the seed of a tear is very, very small. I could walk into the kitchen and get you a, a wheat berry. Uh, just made two loaves of bread this morning. Uh, but the seed of the tear is very, very small. But it is very bitter. And if you get one little seed into your bread loaf, it's bitter, and it, you, you can't eat it. So I mean, you can't stand the tares. So the tares are good for nothing. They have no fruit. Now, what is the fruit? The fruit means you brought someone else to the Lord. Oh, Stan, really? Are you sure that's what it means? Yes, I'm sure. Remember the parable? We may even be getting it to it here today about uh, the talents. One guy had five, turned it into ten, and then one guy buried the other talent. To the one that buried the talent, he said, you wicked and slothful servant, take the one talent from the guy that had the one that buried it and give it to the guy that had ten. So what's the one talent or the one gift every person receives when they get saved? The talent would be salvation. So that means I want you to take their salvation away and give it to the one over here that has ten. So he expects us to do one thing. If we've accepted Jesus, 
we need to then turn around and win at least one more, more person to the Lord. Yeah, but I mean, I'm not good at talking. I mean, I'm shy. I can't. Okay, fine. Then you can give to the one that is planting. Okay, you can give to the ministry that is winning souls. That way, you still can share in that. That's part of it. That's what he's saying. Now, how are we doing on time? We're almost gone. Time is almost gone. Okay, let's say, let's say, let's say, let's say, let's say. Oh, by the way, yeah, on that burn them right here, bind them into bundles to burn them. What's the burning? Well, at harvest, that what, that's what Jesus does. He returns on a white horse, blows his glory, which is a light beam or a like a, a fire. It's the light of life down, and he first burns all of the tares, whoosh. And I shouldn't say first because it's all the same instant. It's the same fire that cleanses the earth, burns the tares, burns up all the wheat, wood, hay, stubble, everything, burns it all up. But as it hits us, out of a, whether we're in the grave, whether we're on a horse behind him, whether we're standing on the earth, at the time, out of our belly flows rivers of living water, and we get eternity all in an instant. It happens all in the same instant. I think it's Isaiah 17, 14 says, in the evening they are, in the morning they're not. It's not even a 24-hour day. It's the day of the Lord, the battle of the Lord. All right, here, let's go on. Another parable he put forth him, say, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a grain of mustard seed, which man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least or the smallest of all seeds. But when it is grown, it is the greatest among herbs and becometh a tree, so that the birds of the air come and lodge in the branches thereof. Another parable spake unto him. In other words, the word of God, while it seems like it's not doing a whole lot, come to the Bible study, it is doing a lot. It takes a while, but the things you're getting from this Bible study are really very, very important. Which indeed the least of all, okay, I read that, okay. And the kingdom of heaven is likened to leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal, till the whole was leavened. That means can't hang out with the wrong people and turn out right. I'll say it again. You can't hang out with the wrong people and turn out right. I'll say it again. You can't hang out with the wrong people and turn out right. I was talking to my daughter one time. She was asking if she could go to the movies or something, play with the wrong people. And I explained this to her. And I said, okay. <clears throat> and asked her to get up on top of the table. I said, pull me up on top of the table. She said, I can't. I said, now, if I were to get up on top of the table, could you pull me down? She said, yeah, probably. I said, the point is, is if you're on the top, it's easier to be pulled down. It's easier to pull someone off the table than it is to pull someone up off of the ground. Pulling someone down is easier than pulling them up. That's the reason we want to stay away from people, in, except two people agree. How can they walk together? So we want to, birds of a feather flock together. If they're not Christians. You don't want to run with them. It's hard. You can't... You can't turn out right, as it worded. Can't turn out right. I just said it. Can't hang, hang out with the wrong people and turn out right. There you go. Another parable he spake to them. The kingdom was, of heaven is like heaven. Okay, I read that. All these things spake Jesus into the multitude and the parables without a parable. 
spake he not unto them, that it might be fulfilled which is spoken by the prophet, saying, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things which have been kept secret from the foundation of the world. Then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house, and his disciples came and he was saying, Declare to us the parable of the tares of the field. And he answered and said, And he that soweth the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world. The good seed are the children of God of the, of the kingdom, and the tares are the children of the wicked one. The enemy that sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned to the fire, so shall it be in the end of this world. The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend. And them which do iniquity, and shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then shall the righteous shine forth. Why? Because the morning star hit them. Daniel 12, 4 says, And he that turneth many to righteousness shall shine as the stars forever. We literally shine brighter the more people we win to Jesus. Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a treasure hid in the field, the which when a man found, he hideth, and for joy thereforth goeth and selleth all that he hath, and buyeth this field. Meaning, Salvation is the most important thing in our life. Whatever we do, we've got to make certain our name is in that book of life. Again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a merchant man seeking goodly pearls. And when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Means the kingdom of heaven is more important than <coughs> all money we earn in our lifetime. Again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a net that was cast into the sea and gathered of every kind, which when it was full, they drew to shore and sat down and gathered the good into the vessels but the bad and cast the bad away. So shall it be at the end of the world. The angels shall come forth and sever the wicked from among the just and shall cast them into the furnace of fire and there shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said to them, Have you understood all these things? They said to him, Yea, Lord. Then he said to them, Therefore, Every scribe which is instructed under the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is an householder, which brought forth out of his treasure things new and old. And it came to pass that when Jesus had finished these parables, he departed thence. And when he was coming to his country, he taught them in their synagogue, insomuch as they were astonished, and said, What hath this man this wisdom and these mighty works? Is not that this carpenter's son? Is not his mother named Mary, and his brother James, and Joseph, and Simon Judas, and his sisters, are they not all with us? Whence then had this man all these things? And they were offended in him, but Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, save in his own country and his own house. And he did many mighty works there, and he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. <clears throat> okay, my voice is gone, and so is our time. Uh, let me jump over and see the comments. Hopefully people enjoyed our Bible study. Okay, so did you enjoy the Bible study? All right, let me pray for you.
Lord, we love you. And we try to get closer to you. We try to do things right. But sometimes you just seem so far from us. We know you never leave us nor forsake us. But if there's anything in our life that you would like us to change, to do differently, to get rid of, so that we can be closer to you, Lord, show us, speak to us. Help us to walk close to you. And our heart is not to necessarily live a long time, even make it to the end of the tribulation. Our desire is to win souls and to build your kingdom. We ask you to help us to do that. Lord, I ask that you give every person out there another level. Another level in walking to you, with you. Another level in the spirit. So that your old men will dream dreams, young men will see visions. I ask you to pour out your spirit on all of the people on the Bible study live and also those people that are watching it. All of those people would receive a gift, just like Paul says, I long to come to you that I might lay hands on you and impart a gift. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I impart those gifts to them in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Okay, let's see if there's any other questions for a close. No. Seventy-four on one, forty on the other. I'm not. I'm not sure what that means. But anyway, good Bible study. Good Bible study. Good Bible study. And as far as I know, I plan to be on Bible study next week. Um. I know we got some holidays coming up, and I've been out of town a lot, Honduras and stuff like that, but I think Bible study is next week. Look for it and check. God bless you guys, men and women.